502 Good morning and it's going down here in the Ville Wake up 502 with Rashawn Myers Big X Sports Radio 96.1 FM 1450 AM It is going down on a beautiful June 24, 2023 Saturday morning uh, The skies are absolutely perfect out uh, It's a beautiful day um, Had a little bit of technical difficulties this morning But that's alright, we on, we on, we rolling We got plenty of time to get into so many different things this morning uh, Louisville basketball, Louisville football um, As well as the NBA draft um, that's definitely going to be something that we're going to talk about. Um, I want to get into a little bit of NFL with my man Haven Harrington. Uh, he, of course, uh, was out on his bike ride last week, but he will be back on with me this morning, so I can't wait to talk to him. I have some questions about uh, Louisville football as well as the uh, upcoming NFL season. Uh, Lamar Jackson, of course, is uh, in the news. Uh, the, the Ravens are uh, barreling towards a uh, – Comeback season uh, is, is what everybody's uh, hoping and expecting that it's going to be. Um, so I want to get into that as well. Uh, but I tell you what, before we get going, uh, we, you know, we have so many things to get into. First of all, uh, congratulations, Victor Webinyama, um, for becoming the, the latest number one uh, overall pick in the NBA draft, uh, the 7 5 uh, Phenom from France. Uh, just an absolute. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to call him. Uh, he's he's like a mix of Ralph Sampson, Magic Johnson, uh, and Kevin Durant all in the say all, all in one. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, and it's it sounds funny to even say just because that just seems ridiculous. Uh, but I cannot wait to see what that young man's gonna do. Uh, you know, we we definitely like to save more of the. Uh, pro talk for the second hour but you know that definitely was the biggest sports news of the week um, was Victor uh, being selected of course uh, you had 
local uh, in uh, Case and Wallace, University of Kentucky. Jalen Hood Shafino um, of Indiana uh, University got selected as well. Trace Jackson Davis. Um, was a nice late pickup for uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors. I actually really, really like that pick for them. Uh, but we're definitely going to get into that. But just congratulations to all the local guys. Oscar Sheepway, um, though he did not get drafted, which is unbelievable, did end up uh, getting uh, uh, signing a deal uh, with the Indiana Pacers, which is you know one of the favorite local teams as well. So um, you know we definitely had um, a, a lot of movement. Um, unfortunately, University of Louisville, uh, of course, did. Not not have any body selected or anybody that was even uh, eligible uh, to be selected. All those guys that were here last year um, are either still on campus or uh, went elsewhere. Um, you know, so a uh, lot of a lot of things going on with the NBA draft. Uh, you know, but like I said, we will get into that. But first of a first and foremost, uh, <laughs> I guess NBA draft adjacent. Um, uh, it was a little bit of a dust up that happened on uh, Thursday night. Um, <laughs> and wow, of course, you know, and everybody knows that at the NBA draft, uh, you know, you have these players that are there, everybody's dressed up, and uh, everybody's wearing their. Uh, best ridiculous outfits. Grady Dick, uh, the uh, guard from Kansas, wore just the most absolutely ridiculous. Um, suit ever. Um, it was apparently uh, found out it was based on the ruby slippers of Dorothy. Of course, Dorothy was from Kansas uh, in the movie Wizard of Oz, so he made ruby slipper. He made a ruby slipper uh, suit, <laughs> and it was interesting to say the least. But uh, you know, the, the players get dressed up, and you'll have, of course, uh, the, their families there, and then, of course, uh, most of their head coaches are there uh, to cheer them on and, and to smile, and it's a good photo op for, uh, you know, the coaches, players, and, and, and you know, it's a night of celebration. Uh, well, the, the uh, University of Louisville assistant coach, uh, Nolan Smith, uh, made a very interesting tweet uh, during the proceedings, uh, which got a lot of attention uh, in, in, in the tweet. Nolan said, um, um, I will never go to the draft as a coach unless my player personally invites me and says, Coach, I want you to be there. Draft night is about the player and his family, not a photo op for me to post on IG to, uh, to help with recruiting. <laughs> and it was a, uh, to say the least, it was a very interesting decision to, 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 to send that tweet out. Um, in my guess at the time that the tweet was sent, I believe that uh, John Shire was there. Uh, Derek Whitehead, of course, was one of the players that got selected uh, for Duke in the first round along with Derek Lively, um, another uh, Dukey who went uh, pretty early in the draft, both of those guys um, as first-round picks. And you know, there's a lot that was said about, you know, Nolan Smith being a, a big-time key factor in the commitments of those guys to uh, uh, Duke. And I'm guessing, like, some people thought it was a shot at John Calipari. Um, I personally think it was more a shot at John Shire, the head coach at Duke, because, you know, that um, Nolan was – um, considered uh, by many to be a key factor in landing uh, guys like Lively and Whitehead. Um, so it, it really, <laughs> to me, it kind of felt like a shot at Shire. Um, now, 
would I have done that? I don't know. I don't know. It just it's caused a lot of conversation. And of course, that's where you guys get in. I want to hear your thoughts on it. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Make sure you check out any of the uh, 82,375 local Thornton's locations for the best in gas, uh, grub, uh, you know, and anything else you may need, snacks, goodies, um, but uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on the uh, Thornton's text line on, uh, you know, was the tweet okay? Was was that all right? Is that something that you would have done? Like, uh, it's, of course, you know, when, when anybody looks at anything in the uh, prism of the University of Louisville right now, especially Louisville basketball, everything is extremely divided. And it almost feels like a taste great, less filling type of conversation to go back to the old, you know, old, the old folks in the room know what I'm talking about, where everybody is kind of just chosen the side. But I don't really know how to feel about about what Nolan said. Like it, it's one of those things where I can understand what he's saying, um, you know. And if if Nolan feels like I don't know, like maybe Shire shouldn't have shown up for those players. I mean, of course the head coaches are going to show up, right? I mean that's that to me is kind of one of those. No brainers as it's an opportunity because everything is about recruiting. When you're in basketball, everything is about recruiting. Everything is about getting the next wave of guys in. So um, if you have a player that you coached um, and, and they have the opportunity to walk across that stage, uh, you know, you're there to support them. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, I understand Nolan's point, but like, I'm just wondering if he's trying to say that those players did not want him there. Um, I mean, like I said, that's one of the reasons why I don't know if it's a shot at Cal because, I mean, Kaysom Wallace um, in his interview uh, with uh, the, with um, uh, Monica McNutt, you know, he specifically, you know, said that, you know, he was, he was a – thankful and appreciative to be part of that lineage of, of the point guards at the University of Kentucky, and he was thankful for his time, and, you know, he's prepared to carry that mantle. So he definitely did not seem like a guy who was, you know, would not have wanted Calipari there, and that's why I don't really buy the Kentucky angle. I think this is more of a Duke thing just because Nolan was there and he did help recruit those guys um, you know but I, I don't know if he's suggesting those players did not want Shire there um, but it was just it was a very interesting way for Louisville to get into the news cycle and to kind of draw some attention on draft night uh, and, and the days following um, so I, I don't know I, I'm kind of on the fence on it um, I do understand what he's saying is like if the if it's about the players and it's the players nights then you know coaches should not use that opportunity to grandstand to be able to go out there and um you know use it as a publicity stunt and as a recruiting tool but then i would say conversely that's exactly what you're supposed to do if you're a coach is, you know, if you have a young man that has success, there is no greater way, um, you know, to showcase what you've done than to, you know, be a reminder and, and to put that out there that, you know, hey, uh, this is a guy who played for my program. Um, you want to be like him come this way. So, I mean, that is definitely, especially for, um, you know, basketball players, for young high school basketball players, that's the ideal. That's why Calipari has, um, I believe they said, 16 straight years of first-round draft picks um, at the University of Kentucky uh, right now. I mean, so so it's it's one of those things where 
I definitely understand why it was done. I definitely understand the point of why all of those coaches are there. Um, it's because they did have young men that had great success. And, you know, the coaches that they played for was a big part of that, you know, because they did play for those coaches, and those coaches helped put them in the best position to succeed. So, I mean, John Shire absolutely um, for Lively, for, for Derek Whitehead, um, he was a big part of why those players were there. So, you know, I, I just – I don't know. I, I am on the fence on that whole situation. Uh, it just – it it's one of those that while I understand the intent and the point is to drive home the fact that, you know, Louisville and its coaches care about the players and they're not here, it's kind of like <laughs> – it, it, do you all remember the old Source Awards – you remember the old uh, East Coast versus West Coast uh, situation where they had the, uh, you know, if if you want to be able to come out here, make music, and you don't want to have, uh, you know, producers all up in your songs and doing all that and having to be in their face when you're the one who's making the music, then come to Death Row Records. You remember that? You know, like that That was the whole thing, right, is that, you know, the, the, the Death Row folks were – kind of getting, uh, you know, trying to talk about Puffy Combs because they said that Puffy was always in everybody's, uh, you know, in everybody's videos and trying to make it about him and not making it about uh, the artist, you know, and, and doing that whole thing. And I think that's that's the, the situation that, that Nolan's kind of dealing with uh with this one is that basically you know don't co- go somewhere where the coaches are going to make it about them just go somewhere where you know you can you can be the story and that was the whole situation behind it but you know it, it's i understand what nolan's saying but if you're a coach your responsibility is to get make your put yourself in the best uh, position to succeed and to put your team in the best uh, position to succeed moving moving forward. That player's time at that school was done. The player used um, the uh, visibility and the platform of that college basketball team um, or whatever team they decide to go on. They used that platform to elevate themselves to get to that night on draft night. So, you know, they utilize that platform to get there. Um, You know, so those coaches um, should be able to use that platform as well to continue to, um, you know, politic for their schools as well. So I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, I I understand the point of it that it should be about the players. But then again, it's definitely a um, contractual relationship both ways. Uh, you know, you use me, I you, you use you, and hopefully we both get what we want and get where we want to be. And, and you know, that's that's the reality of the world. So while it, while it does sound good um, to come out and say that and say even on draft night it's about the players and I'm not going to be there if you don't want me there. I don't know <laughs> of many, any coach, like pretty much every player out there who played college basketball, because there's a lot of guys that did not play um, college basketball. That was, that was one of the more interesting things about it, that especially early on, uh, you had the Thompson Twins, uh, you had Scoot Henderson, of course you had Victor Webinyama, you had uh, Webinyama's teammate, uh, Bilal Koulibaly, uh, who went early, and none of those guys played college ball. You didn't have but Brandon Miller, um, who went the second overall uh, to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, I think he was the only one in the top seven or eight 
that actually played college basketball. Uh, you know, so that, I mean, that there was a a very uh, you know, a very specific message being sent that times are changing on how and what it takes to be a top pick in the draft and that you don't need necessarily the platform of college basketball to be able to be seen and to be able to make that move. So I don't know if that's going to make leagues like the Overtime Elite and G League Ignite program more uh of a normal situation um, as it was this past year, but it definitely lets kids know that there are a lot of different ways to get there. If school is not your thing, there are other ways to get there and get yourself seen. Um, You know, if you're a guy who wants to try to make some money, like with the G League Ignite program, you can make some money and get training against some of the better players uh, in the G League, guys that are trying to make it to the league. Um, Or you can go the traditional route of going through college, playing for some of the best coaches uh, in the college game here in America and using the platform of the NCAA tournament. Uh, And, you know, ESPN and its family of networks, of course, uh, you know, all the rest of the national TV broadcasts, big time. Uh, showdowns, champions, classics, and things of that nature. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. Okay, um, there's a you know there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different paths. And I think that's a good thing. Um, the the more options and the more ways in which folks are able uh, to make the make their dreams come true, make it to the NBA. That's good. I mean the the my whole thing. Everybody knows I've always been uh, pro athlete. Okay, I've always been pro athlete. To me, um, that is that is the the first and foremost uh, thing is what's best for the players. So, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with anything that happened um, last night with those guys. Um, You know, the fact that those coaches were there. I definitely did not have a pro, uh, you know, an issue for that, because, you know, their job is done with that player and that player can help them. One last time by allowing them to be there, allowing them to, to, you know, to shake their hands and show their support um, and send them on their way. And that also helps, uh, you know, maybe get the next kid in the door. So, I mean, I, I understand it. I understand the point of of Nolan and, and definitely there is some, some merit to that and there's something to be said about a, a coach that's willing to just kind of step to the background and allow that player to have their night. But I'm never going to hold anything against a coach that wants to go out there and continue um, to publicize and, and, and have his face out there. Um, so when he goes into the next living room, he can be like, yeah, you know, I was there. Um, you know, I had a young man that was in fortunate enough uh, to have his name selected. We see something in you. We think that can be something with you. I mean, because that's, that's what it's all about. It's about selling the dream. It's about selling that opportunity. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I am not going to fault anybody for that. But, you know, it was definitely added a little bit of intrigue. It definitely added a little bit of interesting conversation um, on that night. Um, and, and it just it was a very, very entertaining evening, even though it, it was a, it was a little odd. ESPN was a little uh, shaky on their on their analysis and they were a little shaky on some of the things that happened. So it was. The, the broadcast of it uh, was a little odd. They had, you know, the, the multi-stream, so you had different, you could go ESPN or ESPN2 and do do a lot of different things and ways to, to take in the broadcast. But it was uh, definitely interesting. But congratulations uh, to, to all those guys. Uh, we may look look at a little, uh, little bit more of this uh, later on. I need to ask some questions and find out what on earth 
the Washington Wizards are doing. Um, so I do want to get back into that. Um, but I, I, I tell you what, uh, one of the other things that, that we saw um, happening uh, was just some conversations between, uh, you know, L. Ellis and Scott Clark. That definitely happened. Um, that was more, um, you know, the, the end of last week, uh, first part of this, this week where L. Ellis was doing a, uh, a radio interview uh, with uh, the folks over there at Arkansas and had some very interesting conversations about that. Uh, so we're going to li- look at that and much, much more. We're going to go ahead take our first quick break of the night. You are listening to Wake Up 502. This is Rashawn Myers uh, coming to you live from the Palatial Studios at 96.1 FM, uh, the Big X, and uh, we'll be back. The mad style, so step off the Frankfurter. Yo, Fife, you remember that routine that we used to make spiffy like Mr. Clean? And welcome back, welcome back in. Wake up 502 with Rashawn Myers here taking care of you. Little Tribe Call Quest coming back at you uh, here. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. Just an absolutely perfect Saturday morning. Uh, it's so many things to chit-chat about. Uh, so many things happening. Uh, it's so funny, man. Like, I, I keep, uh, you know, when, when going through all the, the, the things I want to get to, uh, you know, the, there's just so much um, conversation. The, the, you know, the, the social media world has just made it... <laughs> <laughs> made it to where the, there's always something uh, in the news cycle. There's always something going on. There's always an angle. There's always an update. You know, I, I, I wake up and, you know, see some crazy video of this woman that won't leave Zion Williamson alone, Mariah Mills, and she's tattooing his name on her face and all kind of stuff, sports-related, non-sports-related. It's just it's absolutely uh it's just, it's just always something every time i pu- i pull up my phone and just check twitter there's always something crazy so i mean it's definitely a gift and a curse that there's so many uh <laughs> there's so many things happening that you almost have an endless an endless uh you know a uh supply uh, of things to 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 get into and and talk about um but I, I do, uh, before I get into kind of this L. Ellis uh, conversation, I do have a question I want to pose out there that you guys uh, can get involved in, both at the uh, um, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, as well as the Wake Up 502 buzz line, 502-384-1450. Uh, and I want to hear from you um, on both. But uh, that would actually be in this transitional year for 
Louisville basketball, Louisville football. I thought about it. Um, and even women's basketball. Right now, folks, we don't have really a face of UofL athletics. Um, you know, because of the, the transition, you think about the stalwarts that, that the programs have had over the last several years. Like for Louisville football last year, it was no doubt that Malik Cunningham um, was the face of the football team. Uh, you know, you saw his face on billboards for uh, Planet Fitness uh, all around town. And, and, you know, he'd been there for so long, five years, six years, something like that. Uh, he was on campus. So he was a no-doubt star and the no-doubt no face of the, the football program. Uh, for women's basketball, Haley Van Lith was, you know, the, the face of the program uh, for so long um, that she was the, the one who was the – uh, you know, the, the, the big time star. She had the big social media following. Um, but of course, Haley has made the decision. She's going to spend her last year uh, in uh, Louisiana at LSU with Kim Mulkey. So, you know, she's not here anymore. Um, Louisville basketball uh, coming off a very difficult season. L Ellis was, um, you know, by far the uh, known commodity and the known kind of uh, Guy that everybody was going to be leaning on, uh, on along with Sidney Curry. Those two guys were kind of the face of, of that team, and and but before him, it was uh, uh, Malik Williams. Um, so you know, like th there's been a, a long-standing face over the last several years uh, for Cardinal athletics, um, and I don't think I don't know that this will be the first year that I can remember where there's literally. No face for any of the, the of the major pro programs, and I'd love to hear from you your thoughts on who the face of the program would be. Um, you know, I, I know that uh, a lot of people uh, would, of course, look at football and say, you know, maybe Jack Plummer, maybe Jahar Jordan, maybe. Um, Maybe it's Ashton Gelati on the defense. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I would love to hear Haven Harris' thoughts. But there's definitely not, like, a lead athlete. You know, it's, it's definitely a far cry from the old days where, I don't know, you had guys named Donovan Mitchell and uh, Lamar Jackson and Asia Durr. And, uh, you know, you just had countless uh, superstars, uh, you know, even with baseball, uh, you know, you had some big time stars on that side as well that you were able to pick from. But this is kind of the most unknown, you know, I don't want to say it's no name uh, situation, but, you know, is it J.J. Trainer, um, who is now the face of, of UofL basketball? Is, is, is that uh, who we're looking at? Is it Brandon Huntley Hatfield? Um, you know, it has Trenton Flowers. I mean, I've seen, I've probably seen Trenton Flowers' face more than anybody else on the basketball program just because, of course, he did have the opportunity to go out there and try out with Team USA. Um, but then he's also extremely active on social media. Uh, he and his mom both are very, very active with the Louisville fan, and they definitely engage. Um, so maybe it's, it's Trenton Flowers. Uh, but, you know, I, I would love to hear your thoughts, 502-414-1450, on who you think the um, – who either should be or who do you think is the, the face of UofL Athletics, the face of their specified program, um, because it is, it is probably – I think this, this year there is probably less known about the UofL athletes on campus than probably any time in my lifetime. I just – I never remember having such a nameless – faceless group of major teams 
in the city of Louisville at the University of Louisville. I mean, because, you know, everybody knows, like for um, us around here, Louisville Athletics, they are the pro franchises. They are the, you know, the, these are like pro teams here in this city. Uh, we don't have professional um, sports here in Louisville. So, you know, when we know everything, the ins and outs and the ups and downs of all these teams, and right now the coaches are by far the biggest faces. Like Jeff Brom, uh, you know, th- th- there would be an argument that he's the face of U of Athletics right now. Uh, you know, if you wanted to give a vote for Jeff Brown, I definitely would not hold that against you. But let's go ahead and jump to the uh, the uh, Thornton's text line. Definitely have some texts coming in. Uh, Texter this morning says, good morning, Wake Up 502, main event, our culture. I hope you and Haven uh, had a happy Father's Day and Juneteenth. Absolutely, we did. Thank you so much. Um, got to uh, break bread uh, with the with the fam and, and uh, have some good time eating with uh, my dad and, and my son, uh, you know, and kind of sharing with, with with our family. It was awesome. Uh, you know, always a good uh, good thing. It says I'm on vacation in the Big Easy. Just want to share a few things. Oh, uh, nice. I'm jealous. Even though I just came back from New Orleans, uh, you know, I mean, excuse me, I just came back from uh, Orlando. New Orleans is always. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful trip. Uh, Texter says it's hotter than uh, Hades in New Orleans. I bet it is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hot, and, and and just that's that's that humid weather. That's that's one of them where you know the ladies end up with the afro if they try to do anything uh, <laughs> with that with that laid hair down. <laughs> says the LSU fans are in the airport headed to Omaha. Uh, very nice. He said, and and lastly, uh, Jeff Walls uh, didn't uh, uh, screen HVL. Oh, he didn't screw. He didn't screw HVL. HVL screwed. Uh, uh, HVL screwed HVL in my uh, Vince McMahon voice. Well, you know, look, I don't have an issue. Like that. That's the one thing that. All this social media and all the new opportunities that players have to put their face in front of a camera and the place, uh, you know, that they want to talk, they want to engage. This is definitely an information age. Uh, so they're used to having their phones on. They're used to having video blogs and everything else go on. But one thing that has made it tough is when you have situations like Haley Van Lith, who decides to leave Louisville um and transfer um to the defending national champions in the LSU Tigers. Um that's that's always going to be met with some frustration. But then now that you have you know this very very visible situation. You used to didn't really talk to college players uh between seasons. You didn't have them going out doing interviews. You didn't have them going out and uh you know, having all these social media posts and being on Instagram, uh, you know, talking about different things and just being so visible. But it's definitely caused some dynamics that um, cause more consternation than anything. It definitely can be used as a tool to get people excited, especially when players are posting videos, you know, like uh, we see Sky Clark in the gym knocking down 30 in a row from the corner, uh, three-point shots. You know, that that those are vehicles to get folks excited, but then you also have the other side of the sword um, where you have uh, Haley Van Lith going out and talking to people. You have L. Ellis going on with interviews that, that get a lot of run uh, and a lot of conversation because those are the news nuggets. And during the you know the summer, uh, you know people talk about the dog days of summer. These are news items that are are you know worth talking about. So now that we have that, you have Haley Van Van Lith coming out and 
saying a bunch of things that I think were unnecessary. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if it was shots at Jeff Walls. I don't know if there was issue or issues with teammates or chemistry situations. But and I don't know if it'll ever be known exactly what happened. But I, I definitely think there was. Um, Everything wasn't right with that whole situation. Now, my personal opinion with that whole Haley Vanlis situation, I do. While she's a very talented young lady, I am not necessarily upset that she is gone. Um, I think that she is a very talented player, but I do. My personal opinion, I always thought that Jeff Walls um, catered to her a bit much. Um, I thought that he ran more of the offense through her. Uh, than was necessary, and I thought that it caused the Louisville offense more problems than it solved. Um, Haley was not a very high percentage player. She was a volume shooter. Uh, she was someone that needed a lot of shots to get her points, um, and I'm not a big fan of that type of basketball. Um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, ball movement and getting the best shot every time down is the best way to run an offense, um, especially when you have a lot of talented players. It's different in the situation like last year. Louisville had a, a you know they, they they the Louisville men's team didn't necessarily have a lot of options, um, so you know that makes it a little bit t- tougher to run crisp offense. But even with that, they were very good at uh, when they were you know when the offense was decent. It's when they were passing the ball and moving the ball, and I thought that Haley Van Lith tended to be a ball stopper um, a lot. I, I felt like with the ball got in her hands and she was going to find a way to get her shot off, uh, you know, offense be damned. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, Louisville women's basketball is in good shape. Um, Coach Walls went out there and had one of the best transfer portal classes uh, in basketball, um, brought in uh, folks like, uh, Jada Curry from Cal, Henny Van Shake uh, from Cal State Bakersfield, Kiki Jefferson, a very, very talented player from James Madison, as well as Nina Rickards from Florida, and Sidney Taylor from UMass. Um, he did a great job um, of adding ta- uh, talent, um, of adding a lot of different um, uh, you know, and talented guards, pl- players that bring a lot of different uh, dynamics to the team. Um, and then on top of that, they do have the opportunity to go out there um, and play uh, in the Global Jam Tournament in Toronto, Ontario. That'll be coming up uh, July 12th through 16th. So he'll have an opportunity uh, to get those young ladies out there um, to, to play some games this summer. So I definitely think that the women's team um, is in great shape. Um, they, they did lose a lot from last year. Um, Liz Dixon, of course, graduating. Uh, she actually just got picked up, I believe, by the Chicago Sky um, picked up Liz, so congratulations to her for. I know she signed a, a, a contract in the WNBA with somebody just a couple of weeks ago. I believe it was the Chicago Sky, um, but I know she is on a WNBA roster. So you know, Louisville definitely lost a lot, but Je- Jeff Walls always does a great job of uh, reloading. He didn't do much with true freshmen um, this past year. Um, in fact, he did not have a single true freshman come in that will be joining the women's team this year. Uh, but he did a great job of adding some. Um, experience uh, to a lot of young players that he already had on the team. Um, so I definitely think that this uh, Global Jam tournament will be will be good for him and good for women's basketball. But I do. I mean, this is a very interesting year because these coaches are pretty much the face of Cardinal Athletics right now because you don't really have any.
many known commodities. I mean, all these uh, players came over with uh, big-time reputations from their other schools. Uh, the same for Sky Clark uh, with Louisville men's basketball. Um, of course, um, you had um, – uh, the, the the big man uh, coming over, uh, decommitting from uh, Minnesota uh, and committing uh, to Louisville, uh, you know. But all these guys have reputations, but no, none of the folks here locally know them, um, and, and that's why I think that you know Kenny Payne, Jeff Walls. Uh, Jeff Brom, I think Brom, of course, being by far the biggest star of all that, even though Jeff Walls has had a ton of uh, success, I would argue that Jeff Walls, or excuse me, that Jeff Brom uh, is the more, you know, he's the bigger Jeff <laughs> of the two right now, just because everybody loves football, everybody loves Brom, he's from the city, um, coming back home from Purdue, coming out with so much success. I mean, is you know, is Jeff Brom the kind of the face of U of L athletics right now? I mean, that that that's the question. You know, it's it's just very interesting. I mean, Louisville baseball even had a bit of a down year, so this is kind of a comeback season for U of L athletics. U of L athletics needs to um, have a good year, um, and they need to have a good year on, on all faces because everybody kind of took a step back last year. Uh, you know, the women, to their credit, rallied and made that Elite Eight and really, really pulled a, uh, you know, a good season. I won't say great season. Uh, you know, if they make a Final Four, that would have been a, an amazing and a great season. I, I think that they, they definitely had a good season. They made that run um, to the Elite Eight. They were able to, uh, you know, be a step away from putting a banner up. So anytime you're able to do that, um, that's an outstanding job. So, uh, you know, they, they definitely pulled their their season out of the fire. But, of course, we know the struggles of men's basketball. And the football team was good, but they started out really slow. Uh, everybody was ready to fire Coach Satterfield about three or four weeks into the season. Coach Sat, to his credit, um, pulled an eight-win season with the eighth win coming in a bowl game out of the fire. And that was able – he had enough success, of course, um, to get the job at Cincinnati, which he did take and that's of course why Jeff Brom is on campus now but um you know it, it was everybody seemed to take a step back of course uh, Louisville baseball didn't even make the ACC tournament so you know we know how bad that season was so it's definitely time for a comeback and looking at the faces of these um sports properties and commodities at the University of Louisville right now I don't know an athlete that's really a face of any of them I mean so I, I would love to know um, your thoughts on that thoughts on anything else going on I tell you what we are at the top of the hour we're going to go ahead take our very next break when we come back uh, we're going to get into much more I have some additional thoughts on um, you know the NBA draft I want to know what on earth the, the Washington Wizards are doing um, did you like the, the Chris Paul trade that and much much more coming up hour number two Wake Up 502, Big X Sports Radio here. I'm Rashawn Myers, and we'll be back on the Big X. I come correct in full effect of all my holes in check And before I get the butt, the gym must be a wreck You see, my aura's positive, I don't promote no junk See, I'm far from a bully and I ain't a punk Extremity of rhythm, yeah, that's what you heard So just clean out your ears and just check the word No 
I used to let the mic smoke Now I slam it when I'm gonna make sure it's broke When I'm going, no one gets on Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder Damn, but think about a thing you understand I'm just an addict addicted to music Maybe it's a habit, I gotta use it Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm I hook a beat up, convert it into hip-hop form Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian Jokers are wild, if you wanna be tame I treat you like a child in your And welcome name. back in, welcome back in Hour number two, Wake Up 502, 96.1 FM It's going down here on the Big X Hour number two with uh, little Rakim coming back. I mean, yeah, that that literally never gets old. Can, can, can you ever get tired of a little bit of Rakim in the morning? Absolutely not, especially for the cultured ear of these folks here in the beautiful city of Louisville, Kentucky. Y'all know, y'all know good music when you hear. It. Come on now, <laughs> but we are back here talking about so many different things. Uh, you know, we, we've been kind of um, hopping all over the place, but, you know, I, I did have some things that I wanted to get into uh, in pertaining uh, to, uh, I, I don't know, you know what, I, the, the one thing that I have learned, or that, I don't know if I've learned it, or I'm coming to realize, or coming to understand, or maybe I'm just crazy, but I feel with some of the situations and some of these decisions that have been made uh, in terms of uh, these trades, in the NBA, uh, you know, leading up to the NBA draft, I feel like I could be a GM in the NBA, y'all. Like, I, I really do. I think that that is something that, without a doubt, I could go out there and I could make some moves uh, that would put my team in a good position to succeed because some of these deals that, that these folks have made um, over the last couple of weeks, uh, just I, I don't know – <laughs> I don't know what these uh what these coaches and what these um what these folks have been doing. I, I don't know what Golden State has been doing. I don't know what uh you know the the Washington Wizards have been doing. Um to me, I feel like there were some very weird and very odd deals that were struck. Um and I just I don't know what to think about it, you know? Like the fact that um, Chris Paul is now a uh, Golden State Warrior. I really don't know what to think about that. You know, like that 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 is one of those weird uh, things that I am still trying to figure out exactly what Chris Paul brings to the equation. The fact that um, you know the Golden State Warriors give up a 24 year old um, up and coming young player in. Uh, uh, in in Jordan Poole to go out there and, and get him, I just I'm not sure. I, I I just I don't know what's happening with that. But I tell you what, we're gonna go straight uh, to the wake up 502 buzz line. We're gonna go ahead and and, and bring the caller in. Caller, your name? Joe K. Hey, what's going on, Joe? How you doing this morning, brother? Good morning. Uh, doing well, doing well. Run a little bit late, man. Sorry to sorry to be catching up with you now. Oh no no, it's all good, man. I, I I appreciate. it. I'm glad to hear your voice. Uh, you know, just got an hour two rolling. Haven Harrington's disappeared on me. I don't know what I don't know what happened to Haven Harrington. I think I think he might have gotten the uh, swallowed by the a monster or something on his way over here. I thought thought he was on his yeah. way, but it's all good. It's all right. You know, we we holding it down. I'm just trying to. Uh, uh, you know, we just opened uh, the second hour, and I was just talking about. Of course, we had the NBA draft um, on Thursday. 
Um, and leading up that up to the draft, of course, we had some weird trades that happened in the NBA, and I was um, discussing one of them, and I'm glad you're on here so I can ask you. I don't know if I'm crazy, but, you know, the Golden State Warriors trading a 24-year-old Jordan Poole. Now, I know Jordan Poole has been kind of a lightning rod for controversy a little bit over the last uh, 12 months with him and the fight that he and Draymond Green got into before last season got started and some of those things. But still, Jordan Poole's a talent. And that young man gets traded, and the Golden State Warriors trade that young talent for a 38-year-old Chris Paul. Like, just <laughs> Did you see Chris? Did you see uh, CP3 and All Star game though a year ago? He dunked. <laughs> yeah, he's vegan now. He's vegan, Rock. He gonna play till he's fifty. He said. <laughs> I just he got those I, he got those vegan superpowers. Now. Oh man, I, I'm so confused with that deal. Um, I, you know, like I I am just I am not understanding exactly what if you're if you're the Golden State Warriors, you know, you gave away James Wiseman for nothing, basically, because they didn't want to pay him. And James Wiseman is, is still a talent. I mean, 7-1 with his abilities, yes, he was still kind of struggling to figure out his place in the league. But they gave up James Wiseman, basically, for nothing to the Pistons. And now you give away Jordan Poole, so I guess you can keep this old man nucleus of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green together, and you're going to add Chris Paul to that mix like do you think that's a good move like I, I just that feels like going in the wrong direction instead of kind of transitioning and turning it over to Jonathan Kaminga John, uh, James Wiseman and Jordan Poole it seems like uh the Warriors are just trying to get you know keep the band or bring them back together right well there's a couple of things about about the CP3 move that stand out to me number one it makes sense now why Draymond turned down 29 mil because I kept, I kept having to read the screen again and say, wait, Draymond declined it? Why on earth would he decline? He's not getting that on the market. Right. I wouldn't imagine. No. So what's the deal? Okay, well, that freed up that freed up the, the room to make the trade for, for Chris Paul. Now maybe Draymond takes the takes a, a hometown discount. I, I look at it like this. If I was a Warriors fan, this is honestly the move that I would want to make because – like it or not, it, it's the old adage about the NFL draft. Anytime you can trade a guaranteed Pro Bowl player for an unknown entity, even if it's number one pick, you make that trade. If you think you're one player away. I think for Golden State, they looked at that young core. We know we're a championship contender right now with these vets. We don't know what we are. We could be middle of the pack with these guys. We could be we we could we could roll into being contenders with a, with a new younger crop, the next generation of Golden State. But that's probably not likely. So what if we just went full tilt on maximizing? I think the window with Steph is about three years of him still being the stuff that we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's it was just a very. Um it was just a very head-scratching move because I, I don't know that Chris Paul makes you better, if that makes any sense. And the reason why I say that is why, while Chris Paul, you know, I mean, Chris Paul really and truthfully, when we look at Chris Paul's history, he had a couple of years with the Clippers where he was pretty decent in the playoffs. And then he had, um, of course, that run with the Houston Rockets 
uh, where they had uh, the Golden State Warriors on the ropes. They had them in a game seven in Houston. And, uh, you know, Paul and um, the Beard ended up losing that game, James Harden. And, and, I mean, outside of that, Chris Paul has not been healthy. And to me, trading a 24-year-old up-and-comer for a 38-year-old guy who's kind of old and broken down, I, I just I don't, I don't know. Like, to me, I, I remember the Boston Celtics at the end of their run with Larry Bird, uh, Kevin McHale, and those guys. And they kept trying to bring in these, these uh, young guys, uh, uh, like Reggie Lewis and guys, and unfortunately, of course, Reggie Lewis had the heart attack and passed away. Um, but, you know, they, they kept trying to bring in these young guys to kind of duct tape was, these old stuff. That was Len Bias, right? Uh, no, no, Reggie Lewis. And Len Bias also died oh, of a heart attack. Yeah, 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 yeah made good. It. Yeah. Good, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a couple of those guys. Yeah, but, but I mean, Re- Reggie played a couple of years with Boston. Yeah. It was kind of that young up-and-coming star. But then, of course, he did have the heart attack and passed away. But they still had that whole core group of Celtics together well past their prime. And, and you know, it ended up putting Boston behind the eight ball for a while. Boston was not good again for a long time. And it, I think one of the reasons why is that they kind of held on to those old stars for maybe a little too long. And to me, Joe, it feels like the, the move that the Warriors just made, it was kind of like, we're going to try to see if we can put this one last run together because we're going to go back to sucking for a long time after this. Like, it feels yeah. to me a little desperate, you know? I mean, I understand that, but at the same time, uh, you look at the landscape of professional sports, and there's way too many instances. There are more instances of they blow it up too soon that you, you do the what-if game with than there are, man, they kept them together too long. And to me... I understand this is going to, and this is going to fly directly in the face of everything that I always say about damn loyalty. I mean that from a from a player standpoint. I do think a team when they can make it when they can make it right when ownership and the GM can make it right for the fan base. Golden State is unique. They're not a team that just pulled one out. Uh, they're not as of right now. They're not the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks got the Bucks got a got a NBA Finals. Uh, the Nuggets just got one. Prior to this, man, Golden State wasn't much. You know, you had the Ren TMC years, you yeah. had the Rick Barry era. Uh, they became a dynasty in the in the last in the previous decade, and it's because of the core of, of Steph, Clay, and Drake. So I think it's cool when you do see ownership say, you know what, we're going all in with this group, and then we'll blow it up in a couple of years. These are guys that we drafted. Now we're going to add a vet who's. He's in the conversation, if not your favorite. He's in the conversation of what, top three? Definitely, certainly top five players of all time with no ring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, no, you, you're absolutely right. You know, but, the, I mean, the think the biggest thing is is that the, the question with Chris Paul is going to be, you know, where Jordan Poole's a kid that, that you know, he could easily play 80, 80, you know, 75 to 82 games without, you know, breathing. Chris Paul hasn't played more than about 50 games in three or four years. And that's going to be the question. Is Chris Paul going to make it to the finish line? Are, are these guys who are now getting up in age? I mean, Steph Curry and LeBron are about the same age. 
you know, so, I mean, these guys are starting to get up into their, their twilight years. How many games are they going to be able to play together? Are they going to be able to be healthy enough? Because, I mean, that's been the biggest knock on Chris Paul. He hasn't been healthy in the playoffs in the last three or four years. And, and that's right. going to be the question. Like, you're getting Chris Paul for um, June, you know, uh, May and June. That's why you're getting him. You're not getting him uh, for the season run. But the thing about having a young guy like, uh, you know, Poole is that Poole, if, if Steph needs to take a um, load management night or if Clay is dealing with, you know, one of his in- injuries, which is he's a guy who kind of tends to get injured a lot, then, hey, we're just going to let Jordan go ahead and do his thing. You know, maybe he'll throw in 30, 35, 40 and hold us down with the young guys until, you know, so these old guys can get their rest. Now that a guy like that's gone, it's going to be interesting to see who that falls on because, I mean, for the Warriors, it's going to be about making it. I mean, let's not get it twisted. The Warriors were a six seed this past year. Um, so it wasn't like they just coasted and had one of the better uh, years in, in the you know in the league. They had to kind of fight to make the playoffs. So they're going to have to have a good enough regular season to be there because the West is young. The West is hungry. You're going to have the, the Grizzlies back. You're going to have the Sacramento Kings who are on the come up uh, back, the, you know, let alone the Denver Nuggets who are young and they're going to be back. So, you know, I mean, the Lakers are still going to be there fighting. So it's going to be interesting. It's, this NBA season um, upcoming, I think, is going to be a very, very interesting one. But I did thought it was kind of a weird move um, by, by the Golden State Warriors. The, the other team, Joe, I did want to ask you about um, as well. What on earth are the Washington Wizards doing? The Washington Wizards, Joe, over the last – Let's just say two months because I'm going to go and I'm going to rope in the Rui Hachimura trade uh, to the Lakers because that was their initial move that really didn't make any sense. They, they, they traded Rui Hachimura um, to the Lakers um, for, you know, kind of a middle-of-the-road a middle of the road guy um, and a couple of draft, a couple of second-round draft picks. Rui Hachimura, of course, was a lottery pick. I believe he was selected number seven overall. Uh, in his draft just a few years ago. So a young player, a young lottery pick um, who had a lot of upside potential. You know, the war, the Wizards made that deal without getting any first-round compensation back. Then over this uh, this summer to get started, they trade both Bradley Beal and Chris Tapps Porzingis, two high, high draft picks as well, uh, very talented players, zero first-round picks back in compensation for the Wizards. Like so, you trade your three best players in Hachimura, Bill, and Porzingis. You get and net zero first round picks back. Like what? 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 Are, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> well, that you seems can, odd. you can do that. You can do that when you're a traditional hotbed for free agent talent, such as the Washington Wizards. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, we all know that that when. When young men in the NBA reach free agency, it's Miami, L.A., Washington. That's where guys want to go live and be millionaires. And why wouldn't they? If if you're a Wizards fan, I've never met one in the wild. I have to assume they exist, otherwise they wouldn't still be a franchise. My advice to you... As I've said so many times on Wake Up 502 in regards to sports, you don't have to. You can just, you can just not. 
<laughs> you quit at any given moment, man. They have given you nothing in return. Absolutely nothing. The highlight of, of your, the highlight of the, of the Washington franchise in my lifetime would be as such. They had a season or two with Chris Webber. Yeah. He wore number two. That was back when C. Webb still shaved his head. Yeah, Webber and Jawan Howard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah was, there was a lot of potential there. Then, well, we know what happened there. Thank God they had rebranded from the Washington Bullets before Gilbert Arenas pulled his little stunner. That would have been an even bigger <laughs> PR nightmare. So you got that. Oh, there was also Michael Jordan with 47, 45 ice bags on his kneecaps <laughs> yeah. at the end of games. Just just mentally breaking Kwame Brown. We still don't know what Kwame could have been. Yeah, no. Then uh, let's not forget the next time the Wizards were in the headlines, it's because LeBron James said, no, I will not reply to Deshaun Stevenson. That would be like Jay-Z replying to Soldier Boy. <laughs> that is your poverty franchise, Washington. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't even know how the NBA lets that go because basically you just helped several franchises get a lot better. I mean, in that trade, not only does uh, Porzingis end up with the Boston Celtics, which I think, I like to me, I give Boston a lot of credit because Boston has made some amazing moves. Like, not only are they a team that I think have been in the last three Eastern Conference Finals, but they found a way to keep themselves just old enough and, you know, flush with draft picks. They got back uh, first-round picks in that deal. They got Chris Tapps Porzingis. Um, but then on top of it, Marcus Smart, you know, who, of course, Boston did have to give up something to get Porzingis. But now Marcus Smart ends up on the Grizzlies. And literally all the Grizzlies had to do was give up Tyus Jones. So they get to get away yeah. from the fake Mark, the, the fake wannabe Marcus Smart and Dylan Brooks. And now they get the original article, which is going to be great for John Morant. Because, you know, maybe Marcus Smart as a veteran can come in there, knock John upside the head, and show him how to be a professional. You know, so, I, I mean, I think that's a great move for the Grizzlies. And now having Marcus Smart and, you know, John Morant in your backcourt, um, you know, I think that's just a tremendous move for the Grizzlies. So it seems like everybody else got something out of this trade. The Wizards got Tyus Jones and a, and a pack of chewing gum. <laughs> yeah, everybody. And I think, I think, though, that says something else to the whole argument about what the hell is wrong with them. The other two teams involved that you mentioned involved in these three in this out of these three, they both have identities and they got players that suit their identities. Washington's out here trading for spare parts and packs of chewing gum because they don't know who the hell they are. They don't know what they are. Yeah, they don't. They don't have guys that you look at like Marcus Smart. Yes, put him in Memphis. He is cut from the same cloth as Tony Allen. I mean that's a that is a perfect that is a perfect locker room fit. I think he's exactly what a guy like John needs. Uh, I think he's a good veteran presence for that team, along with Steve Adams. Porzingis, he, he fills in some some gaps that Boston had that, that they were exposed in in the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami. I, and then Washington's over here saying. Ah, yeah. We tried with a really tall guy who protects the rim and a good two guard. It didn't work, so we'll just scrap him for nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like it, it's 
it's just it's wild to me. Like it's it's wild. Like I I just I don't know. I don't know what the what the plan is there, but I feel sorry for my Bullets fans. Of course, Mark Bacon, uh, Main Event DC, one of our wonderful writers uh, for Main Event Sports Show. He is a long-time and long-suffering Wizards fan. I have not heard from Mark Bacon. Like Mark used to be extremely active, talking about Wizards news, talking about he's excited about this and excited about that. What? I have not heard from Mark Bacon. <laughs> I need I need to do a wellness check on Mark. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to go ahead and give Mark a call and make sure he's okay. Yes, because he's the only Wizards fan I know. The Wizards era Jordan was even so bad they made whack uh, Jordans. Yeah, <laughs> do you remember those? They had spats on them like it was the 1920s. Yeah, yes, I do. I do. You had to know a password to get into the club wearing these shoes. <laughs> These shoes came with a glass of bathtub gin. Oh no, that's terrible. Yeah, no, I do, I, I do. I remember the spats. That was awful. Yeah, yeah. They don't even make those retro. Yeah, like if you can get a pair, they're actually valuable because they're, they're literally retro. Because they yes. don't make. Yeah, they don't make. They don't remake those. Uh-uh, they just <laughs> gloss over like that. Never that year never happened. That was when he was playing baseball. Let's just not talk about that one. <laughs> no, no. Oh wow, that's hilarious! Oh no, hey, but you know, hey, congratulations! I, I will say this, man, congratulations! I, I still don't know what Portland's gonna do. Like this whole Damian Lillard situation is very interesting because there was a lot of threats going back and forth. Kind of the two situations that are kind of up there in the air. What's gonna happen with with uh, you know Damian Lillard? We've heard Damian Lillard did not want, and he was not interested in seeing. Uh, you know, Portland go out there and, you know, draft more young players. Of course, they did go out there and draft Scoot Henderson with the third pick. Um, You know, so we don't know if Scoot Henderson and also Chris Murray, um, uh, who got taken at the 23rd selection from Iowa, if those two guys are going to be used as like trade, uh, you know, trade, you know, trade bait maybe to build the team around Dame that he wants. Um but I just everything I, yesterday said Dame's on the block. Well, and that's the other that's thing. What, is, that's what Woj was reporting. Yeah, well, they said apparently Dame was out. That was caught out in the club uh, last night. Oh, was it last night or the night before? And they were playing the uh, Will Smith song "Miami." <laughs> on the, uh, uh, you know, while he was uh, doing his Instagram live or whatever, and some thought that that was a message saying, you know. Maybe I'm headed to Miami now. Of course, the Dame, you know, Damian Lillard's people have come out and said, "No, no, no, that didn't have anything to do with anything." Dame doesn't do things like that. He's a professional. You know, he's happy with the organization. But it was kind of interesting that Welcome to Miami just happened to be playing while he's doing an IG story. So <laughs> Jimmy Butler's in the background of it, like right. Charles Barkley and Jordan in the Tupac video. <laughs> right, Lincoln, you miss him, but he's they're there. Uh, Our heroes back there too. You know, yeah, it, it was a little suspect. So I mean, will we hear some? I mean, because you know, I mean, truthfully, I mean, the, the Portland Trailblazers they do have a, a nice bit of young talent there um, with Anthony Simons. Uh, you know, with uh, Shaden Sharp, they have some some nice young talent. I really like the talent of Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I mean, you may be able because Dame's going to be worth a lot on the free agent market, and I Average think you thirty three. 33 a night last year. Career yeah. high. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, so, I mean, that's a guy. I mean, if I'm the Trailblazers, I know they love Dame. I know Dame has loved being with the Portland Trailblazers. But to me, I would not fault the Blazers for going ahead and making that move now. Um, you make that move now, you get the most that you can get in trade capital. I've heard that Miami is extremely, extremely motivated, and you could see maybe a return of Tyler Hero, uh, maybe another um, player, as well as a lot of draft capital for Dame. Uh, you know, that might be the move to make um, if, if you're – if you're Portland. So we'll have to see what happens with that. And then, of course, we have, I, I talked about it a little earlier, this whole situation with the New Orleans Pelicans uh, and, and Zion Williamson. Uh, <laughs> you know, will Zion get on the court and will this crazy woman uh, try to end his career at some point? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what's hey. happening with that. that. There was a lot of talk about Zion possibly being traded. Um, you know, that they talked about Zion possibly being traded to Portland to try to make Dame happy. Um, I, I don't know what you do if you're Portland in this situation. I mean, but Zion has become a lot of news off the court, and he's not been on the court to balance that out, um, you know, missing so much time that I, I really don't know what the answer is uh, with New Orleans, you know. Like, like if, if you're New Orleans, with everything that's going on with Zion, do you cut bait and try to trade him? I mean, because when he's on the court, dude is like literally one of the best players um, of his size to ever play the game. But the problem is he can't stay healthy. Uh, you know, like what, what What do you do with that in your opinion? Look, man, I'll just tease this for, for coming back from the break. Yeah. Uh, the, the only issue I have with Zion is how do we maintain his weight? And this, this really isn't a joke. I worried about him when he went to New Orleans. Don't send him someplace with good food. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he is a big guy, man. He's a, he's a big short guy. Um, but I really don't care how many Instagram models, porn chicks, or strippers you impregnate. If you scored an eighty percent clip, I'm not trading you for nothing. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. you got to you got to make John Morant's people say, oh, thank God, he acted silly again <laughs> before I even consider it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is. That, that's one, Joe, we're going to have to keep an eye on. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Plus, I did. I do want to get your, your thoughts on uh, my question I had earlier about the, uh, the face of University of Louisville uh, coming into this upcoming season. Uh, so we'll chat about that. I'll kind of re rehash that with you and much, much more. You are listening to Wake Up 502. This is Rashawn Myers, Joe Kelly. We'll be back on 96.1 FM and 1450 AM, The Big X. As serious as cancer Who can keep the average dancer Hyper as a heart attack Nobody's smiling Cause you're expressing The rhyme that I'm styling This is what we all sit down to write You can't make it So you take it home Yo, can I hear this record by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock? Hey man, you sure you want to hear this man? You sure about that, man? All right. Right about now, you're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Raw Face and DJ Easy.
And welcome back in. Welcome back in. Uh, this is 96.1 FM, the Big X. Wake up 502. And it does take two to make a thing go right. My two homeboys are on the microphone with me, Joe Kelly and Haven Harrington, who apparently was sitting in the studio, and I didn't pay no attention to him. Haven, how you doing this morning, brother? Yeah, I'm doing good. Haven said, he said, I came in the studio. Look, y'all got to understand, there's a whole lot. Yeah, if, if folks that don't remember, like, I kind of run the whole show back here. So I'm back here handling the phones, working with the board, looking up stuff on the computer, talking to Joe, and I'm not paying any attention. Apparently, Haven Harrington's been sitting in there for a little bit. So uh, my bad, Haven. I apologize, man. You know, I would have got you in on the conversation. No, you're good. You're good. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I, I tell you what, we, we did talk about that. I know we talked about Zion Williamson going into the break and uh, Joe, Joe definitely fell into the camp of ain't no chance in hell I'm trading uh, a dude as talented as Zion. Is is that kind of where no. you, you 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 no 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 trade of Zion, huh? Uh, you know what? I'm kind of on the fence about trading Zion because like you're trading a dude who doesn't play. Yeah, I mean it'd be different like if he played consistently. Like it's like Chris Paul going to Golden State, right? It sounds like it may, may be decent, but he's not going to be there for the playoffs. So, like, what does it really matter at this point? And Zion may not be there. I mean, who knows? Well, he may play, like, 12 games out of 80-game season, 13, 14 games, 20 at the most. Yeah. I mean, we the same play? thing about Joe Embiid, though. It's true. That's true. I mean, and that's the interesting thing about Zion. Zion no, we've never really seen a guy built like Zion with his level of athleticism and quickness. And, you know, it's almost like a guy whose body is, is built that can't sustain his, uh, you know, his size, which, Joe, I think to your point, was a whole situation of why um, he needed to be someplace where his weight was going to be managed. I mean, we talked about it, man. When he, was, when he came out of Duke, he was hitting at around uh, 275, 280 pounds, and we thought he needed to get that down to around 260, 255, you know, and it seems like he's gotten bigger. <laughs> <laughs> since he got yeah. to the NBA. Like like I said, I sent the tweet out and said that I feel like Zion, Zion Williamson has almost uh, achieved the PS5 career arc of Sean Kemp in like two years, <laughs> two and a half years. He's done the whole Sean Kemp from the ac- super athletic uh, Rain Man years to the fat Sean Kemp years, like literally at Cleveland in, in what? Well, hold on. Two seasons? Rain Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He's done the whole career arc in two seasons. So I mean, I think that Zion's going to have to make a commitment to stay away from the ladies and make a commitment to get in the in the room. You know, get in the weight room, get in the gym, and drop some weight. You know. But Haven, I, I'm with you. I don't know if I'd say I would trade him, but. At some point, if the Pelicans don't start to see that ROI, that return on that investment, man, I've got to think seriously about moving that dude because it just seems like he's becoming more, getting way more attention off the court than on the court. And at some point, you worry about if he's ever going to get to the point where he can play, what, even 65, 70 games? And for a kid that's that young, he's, what, 22? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Let me ask you this, though. Uh-huh. You said he's getting headlines off the court. When was the last time you talked about the Pelicans on or off the court? The who? That's fair. I mean, you know, I mean, now, now look, to, to their credit, um, when they did make the trade uh, to bring over, um, oh, uh, what's, what's Damian Lillard's running mate? Um, uh, 
McCollum. Yeah, thank you, CJ McCollum from Portland. Um, they've made uh, they've they've made the playoffs both years, albeit you know as seven eight seeds. Um, they've made the playoffs both years, and the hope was okay. This team is good enough with CJ and Brandon Ingram to make the playoffs. You add Zion back, you know, you go from a seven eight seed to a two three seed. Like that was the hope, you know, and, and it just unfortunately it has not played out like that, but. You know, you do wonder at what point do we need to to cut bait or get what we can for him before you know Zion does something you know really ridiculous or has a really bad injury and now nobody wants him. You know. So let me ask you this then, because I think the potential for him is so high. What do you? What would you accept in a trade point? Because if you want him from me, I want a guaranteed All Star that I can get two more All Star appearances out of, and I want a first round pick. Yeah, that's the bare minimum to get me started, even entertaining the notion. Because I'm looking at what I'm looking at what some of these other guys go for, and you know you don't have to you don't have to make every other team in the league fall in love with you. You just need that one team that's willing to get whatever they need to to get you. Yeah, I'm gonna need a Rudy Gobert Hall. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need at least what yeah. what yeah uh you know what what the Jazz were able to get for Rudy Gobert. That was four first round picks, a couple of second round picks, and they got some players. Yeah, and if that was yesterday's price on Rudy, tomorrow's price on Zion got a lot more expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you make me and if you make me tell you that, it now just got six first round picks. Yeah, I mean, I mean. No, I, I, Herschel Walker type deal, you know, like literally, mm-hmm. like like what that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a watershed deal. So no, I agree with you. I want, if I'm trading him, I want, I want a Danny Ainge Nets. I want that Nets deal when uh, when when Boston unloaded all their old men. Yeah, <laughs> you, do you remember that, Pierce? That's the trade you were talking about earlier that set them up to to, to draft Tatum oh, yeah. and draft Brown. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it, and I mean, that's that's what you're going to need. Haven, you remember the uh, the trade that the Saints made to get Ricky Williams? They traded their whole draft oh, for, Ricky, for Ricky Williams. Oh, that was horrible. And, and uh, Mike Dick came out with the dread the dread hat on, smoking the cigar. Yes, you remember that? Yes. <laughs> they traded literally their whole draft for Ricky Williams. <laughs> so yeah, I and mean, then somehow. And then somehow Ricky outdone the Saints with the deal he let Master P ink for him. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? He was all incentive laden. Yeah. He had to get like 2,200 yards to get the max. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, a, yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, Ricky was on a, he was hearing other, you know, he was hearing Jimmy, you know what I'm saying? He was listening to Jimmy. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he was doing, he was doing his own thing. Uh, but no, I, I so, I mean, there, there's definitely a lot of intrigue with a lot of this stuff. I mean, that's the thing about the NBA um, that I give them credit for. I know the NFL, you know, ha- Haven will tell you, you know, the NFL tries to stay on that, the wire 365 um, and be, you know, be in the consciousness of the sports world but I think NBA actually does a better job during the offseason of being the most talked about franchise now I know that their season just ended but the NBA seems to always have something popping like their free agency periods and their trades that they that they do and all that type of stuff I think the NBA does that better than any anybody else uh, in my personal opinion yeah. you know that's to make up for a horrible draft I mean that's fair. 
That's fair. I mean, Haven, you made a great point. Haven talked about Oscar Sheboy, the fact that he didn't get drafted. Uh, you know, and when you look at the past two um, national players of the year, as well as the Final Four MOP um, uh, this year uh, from the finals, uh, the, the big man from uh, from uh, UConn, uh, none of the, the, the big three of, of Drew Timmy, Oscar Sheboy, um, or, or the big guy from uh, UConn. I can't think of his name at the moment. But none of those three guys got drafted. The three best big men in college basketball. And none of those guys get drafted, Joe. None of them. Mm-hmm. All have to go as undrafted free agents um, uh, to find their way to the league. That, to me, um, is unbelievable. And, and to me, I, I feel like... The NBA is not really paying attention. Like I know that they've kind of during you know since the ascension of the the Splash Brothers um, and Steph Curry, everybody's kind of you know gotten into this. Oh, all we want to do is have five guys on the court that can shoot threes at all time. But they haven't paid attention to the fact that the last three seasons, the top two finalists for the MVP trophy were big men. It's been Joel and Joker. The last three years, there is still a market for big, strong post players. Now, can those guys do a little bit of something to step away and knock down a shot here and there? Yes. But what did we see Joker do in the playoffs? Okay, he was a dominant force because of his ability to play inside as well as outside. You know, they they had um, Bam Adebayo, who's basically a power forward trying to defend him. And they couldn't do anything with Joker. And I feel like one of the things that's, that things that's really helped Joker and Joel dominate is the fact that you don't have enough real big men in the league that can go out there and bang with those guys. Like, a- am I crazy yeah. in that? No, that speaks to the point we made last week, though, that it's not, we're not seeing the decline of the big man. We're seeing the decline of the, of the North American big man. Yeah. We, just, we don't produce them over here because we don't. I, I'm not going to say anybody's soft, but I don't know, man. Nothing about Drew Timmy says I, I walk proudest for that guy. <laughs> games. You know, I mean, I think the ceiling for Oscar and, and a lot of friends. I said on our show last year in November, I think, he was my early preseason candidate for player of the year. And by January, I said he's locked it up. He's a great college player, but I think when you talk about his NBA game, his ceiling is Kenneth Fareed. Yeah. yeah. Kenneth had, had a solid four or five years and then was out. So, but the thing oh, is, like, like, like Sheboy to me is like Dennis Rodman 2.0. A guy, a guy who's going to get in the paint and give you like a ton of rebounds. I mean, not score a lot of points, but he gets you a ton of rebounds. And that's just – that's no longer a value commodity. I mean, it's crazy. I don't, it's, it's, that's not, I don't think he's the athlete that – like saying he's Dennis Rodman 2.0, come on, man. Well, you, well, like, well, we're forgetting, you're forgetting how athletic the one well, was. Well, I, actually, what I was talking about was just getting rebounds in today's NBA. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, as far as getting rebounds, as far as defense, everything else, no. But as far as the guy who, who can win Dexter's boards, yeah. Because in today's NBA, it's like you don't have a lot of guys who – Hanging the paint and rebound anymore. That's just not the thing. But the, but the other thing about about the NBA is that now you got a lot of guards that are getting the high rebound averages, and it's because they're shooting from so damn deep. 
No, the rebounds aren't aren't there in the paint to get it necessarily like they were twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Also, have dudes like like uh, you know Stephen Adams talked about when he would play when he played with Russ. Russ would tell him that's my rebound. You got you got some dudes that are out there stat chasing. No, you're it's right. It's a completely different game, and it's and I wonder if it's just passed Americans up in, in certain facets of it. How much of us passes up? I think it's just like all the guys who would have been big men are all now trying to be point forwards. It's like, yeah, so the Kevin Kevin Durant syndrome. Yeah, yeah, because because all those guys would have been like seven one, seven two, playing in the paint. Uh, you know who who, who would have done that are now all trying to figure out how they can perfect their crossover and hit step back threes. I mean, and the funny thing about it is, like I said, Joker and Joel, that was, like, to me, my, my, my whole issue with Joel Embiid is, the you know why the Philadelphia 76ers didn't make the finals? It's because Joel, at 7'2", 285 pounds, decided that he wanted to spend the whole, uh, you know, game six and game seven floating around three-point line trying to shoot the ball instead of dominating on the block. If he goes down there, posts up on the block, and utilizes that size, the Sixers are in the finals. Easily, they would have knocked off Dallas, and they would have knocked off the Miami Heat, and they would have been there. But this uh, infatuation with trying to tell big men that they need to shoot threes is—it it, just—it's asinine. The whole thing has been ridiculous. Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's never been necessary. The NBA's tried to just shoehorn this. The NBA has, you know, has become what European basketball was, like we said, Joe, thirty or forty years ago. Even Europe has gone away from just being, you know, a, a spread it out five man three point shooting deal. You know, they don't even do that anymore. It just it just seems like that that has been. I mean, Adama Sonogo is the is the big guy's name from UConn, by the way. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that Sonogo doesn't get drafted, Sonogo was able to knock that. He shot like almost forty percent from three. Even though he is a big, physical guy. He was averaging 23, 24 points per game. He averaged about 15 rebounds a game in the playoffs. He's got great size. He's 6'11". And for him to especially not get drafted, because the one difference between Sonogo and Sheepway was, Sheepway's only about 6'8 and a half. You know, Sonogo's a legit 6'11". He's productive. He's aggressive. He's a great defensive player. He's shown the ability to step out and shoot the ball away from the basket. I just feel like there's kind of been this misnomer or kind of like if if you're above a certain size, if you don't handle the ball like Victor Webinyama, then we don't have a place for you. And it's just it's it's ridiculous. And, I, I you know, while I love Joker, People asked if Joker's one of the five best big men to ever play the game. It's no chance in hell. Like, you put Joker up against Shaq, Shaq will foul Joker out in 15 minutes. You know, you put him up against Wilt, no. Like, he is a very, very talented guy. And he is very definitely one of the top ten centers of all time. I will give him that. But I think one of the things that's greatly helped him is the fact that the NBA has just shoehorned this need to try to, you know, dismiss the old school big man as if everybody's got to be out there shooting threes. And it's never been true. And it's never been the way that it needed to be. It's kind of like baseball when they wanted to do the whole money ball thing and act like having great players didn't matter anymore. You remember that when they tried to go over that? Well, we can just use numbers, numbers and the numbers are all you need. How long did that last? 
You know, and, and I feel like the NBA is, is, is trying to do this, but I'm hoping that if Joker and Joel continue to dominate, hopefully they'll say, you know what, we need to get some guys out here who can bang with these dudes that can actually mix it up in the paint. Um, and they get back to that. That That is my hope. I hope that at least uh, Sonogo uh, and Shibway stick. Of course, Shibway did sign a uh, free agent contract with the Pacers. I'm not sure where Sonogo ended up with um, or Timmy. Drew Timmy seems like a Denver Nuggets type big man, don't he? Like, like Drew Timmy. Yeah, he's our jazz. I, I could see him ending up with the Jazz or with the, with the Nuggets the jazz, off the bench. The, the Jazz, the Celtics, or the Pacers. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that is the white journeyman's odyssey in the NBA. <laughs> I can see it. You know, so I, I feel like those guys will end up end up somewhere, and, and hopefully that they'll be able to stick. Shibway is the one I worry about the most just because Oscar, he's, he's tended to, against bigger athletic centers. He struggled. And that's the one spot where, at least offensively, I think he's going to have an issue. But his rebounding abilities, like he's going to have to become more like, um, oh, what's the, the the big guy that played for the Nets? I can't think of his name. He was a really, really good defensive player, really good rebounder. Um, I, I can't think of the, the gentleman's name. But he's oh, gonna, Jerome Williams? Uh, th- th- that's a good one. Like, he's going to have to become like that. Like, I don't think that Oscar's going to be able to score the way he did in college, but if he can just really, really become a great, great defensive power forward and just own the rebounds and own the backboards to where yeah, he's getting you 12 or 15 boards, I-, I think he can stick. That's why I, I keep going back to the Kenneth Reed comparison. <clears throat> and I, I think if, if Kenneth had been on some better teams and hadn't been sort of burnt out and had yeah. some bad experiences, he would have had a much different career. I agree. No, I, I agree with they're, you. They're both about six seven, six eight, athletic, really good after the ball. I hope it turns that point enough. He's got a great story. Yeah. Nothing else. Uh, he is. He is proof positive that the NIL is a phenomenal game changing thing for for these players and their families. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the NIL definitely um, helped him out a ton. He's a really, really good dude. Um, you know, and, and I really hope he finds a way. He's going to make a lot of money. Like Peyton Siva said, he he, 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 even if these guys don't make it in NBA, they will go to Europe and they will make a lot of money where they are still valued. And and, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely true. Uh, they're going to make a lot of money playing basketball. It just may not be um, in the NBA. If that ends up being the case, uh, they'll, they'll be all right with it. But I, I know we're, we're heading. We only got about three, four minutes left. Um, in the show, fellas. But I did have the, the pose the question earlier. I asked the folks on the text line. Uh, you know, with this season, I know it's it's kind of quick. We don't really have time to get into a big conversation on it. But I said with this season of, of turnover with U uh, of L athletics, with Louisville basketball, uh, football, women's basketball, baseball. There was everybody who were the big stars for those teams are gone now. Um, are the coaches kind of the, the faces of the program? Or, you know, is there one of these players that you would think are kind of going to be the new face uh, of the of the franchise, so to speak, for the University of Louisville? I, I, like just, I was just wondering when wondering you all saw time. We might uh, get into it more next week. But I just I really thought about that. I'm like, man, everybody's gone. Malik Cunningham's gone. Uh, L. Ellis is gone. Uh, you know, the, the, the um, just pretty, uh, Haley Van Lift is gone. Everybody, all the people that we all know, like nobody knows anybody for any of the teams. 
uh, you know, who would be your your choices? Or is it is it the coaches? Or you know, is there a player out there that you think is is you know right now the face of of the university? I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna go with the coaches. Right? I mean, I think, uh, I think in football it's the Brown family crest. It's all the excitement about that. And I think in basketball it's the excitement. I I I think your whole point about it's a whole new cast of characters. I think that's exactly why people are excited about basketball. Yeah, it's like they are ready to see a new. Let's see what the next crop can do because this past one just didn't seem to to really work. And everything that everyone ourselves included complained about was that the uh, roster needed to get flipped, and they flipped it completely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, Haven, are, are you on that same page? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm on that same page at least for the first probably month of each season, right? For the first month of football and basketball. <clears throat> it, it'll be the coaches. But I believe that we will have some players, more than one, rise to the occasion to be the face of the program. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a very, it's the most sanitary. Like, I don't remember a Louisville sports season. Like ever, where I don't like when you think about baseball, women's basketball, men's basketball, and football, where there's not a single player in any of the on any of the teams that you can think of and be like, okay, he, you know, I can't wait to see such and such. You know, like I know that they're gonna hold it down, or they're they're gonna be the ones that lead us. Like literally, there's none. I don't remember that ever in my life being that way. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, here's a Here's a question I got for y'all to think about between now and next week. When uh, when we open up the season, who's QB one? Ooh, I like that one. Hey, we're gonna get into that uh, the, on the uh, uh, you know when, when we come back next week. That's gonna be uh, our question of the week, Joe Kelly. I like that one. But I tell you what, fellas, I know I know it's about time for us to get out of there. I really appreciate you, Joe Haven Harrington. Thank you guys. I really appreciate y'all being in today. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Hey, all right, y'all. Hey, this is Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, Haven Harrington, Joe Kelly. We'll be back. And uh, remember, it takes two. Oh, yeah.